welcome to another episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Ritty, and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the land where this conversation takes place, and I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Today I'm chatting to Matt Lambert. Matt is a breath of fresh air. For all his accolades, awards and success, he's very down to earth and open. It helps that he's retained an excellent Kiwi accent. At least, it helps for me. Matt's one of those chefs who always knew that's what he wanted to do. At 11 years old, he asked a chef if he could start his apprenticeship then and there. Once he did get started, there was no holding him back. When you read about Matt, you read phrases like internationally acclaimed Michelin star chef, sought after fixture of New York's legendary culinary scene and top culinary talent. These are absolutely accurate. Matt started his own restaurant, The Musket Room, in New York in 2013 to showcase New Zealand food and wine. Four months in, and he had a Michelin star. And when he moved back to Aotearoa in recent years, he was welcomed back back with open arms, and he's still spruiking the land of the long white cloud to those overseas. Except the overseas for now is here in Australia. Matt's based in Auckland, but he oversees the Rod and Gun Lodge Bar Group, which fuses good food and hospitality with their top Kiwi clothing brand. There's a venue in Auckland, one in Queenstown, a smaller bar iteration in Chadston and Melbourne. And this month, Matt is in Brisbane to launch the global flagship, the Lodge Bar and Dining in the James Street Precinct. Now, Matt said he would cook for me one day wherever I am, and I am absolutely trying to manifest that one. I love this chat, and I know you will too. It's Joe Ritty here from Conversation with the Chef. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. Are you in Brisbane at the moment? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yes, I've been here for three weeks. Oh, how is it? Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. yeah. And uh, a couple of sort of one-week trips prior to that, just as soon as New Zealand opened. <laughs> yeah, well, that's taken ages. I haven't been back since um, 2019, um, but I'm hopefully going to get back in September. I'm from Christchurch, um, originally. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. So, where did you start off in, in um, New Zealand? I grew up in, uh, please don't judge me, West Auckland, <laughs> in a little old town called Henderson. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And did you always know you wanted to be a chef? 100%, yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, just let me get up these stairs. <laughs> Are you at the lodge now? Is that where you are? That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> cool. It looks beautiful. It actually looks, I thought it looked a bit like a, somewhere in Queenstown. Um, even though I know that it, it's originally, it is a grocer's shop store on, ja- is it James Street in Brisbane? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So that, that building's got some history, hasn't it? And then, um, but it, to me, it did look quite Queenstown-ish. <laughs> Rush has just done a really good job of that and uh, just basically knitting through 
all of the venues so they're unique but at the same time you know relate to each other or are harmonious so it's not hang on this is so much different to an experience i may have had in auckland or queenstown you know mm, mm. but i mean i think the main thing here is because it's that queenslander style building they call it that it um that's sort of what evokes the heavy australian vibes you know yeah right and um and Rod and Gun, so it's obviously appeals to Australians as well. There is it that kind of outdoorsy, country, comfortable? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely um, geared towards the climate. So we do have a lot of bifolding windows and such. Yeah. Um, and, and it also, like, uh, I feel like... And from an outsider perspective, the James Street seems like a bit of a microclimate, you know, where it's a little bit different to other parts of the city or even Fortitude Valley that it's in. Okay, yeah. I've only been to Brisbane once and it was quite a while ago, but um, so is that an area where there are other um, hospitality venues or is it more retail or what's on James Street? Yeah, there's, no, there's, a, there's a lot of restaurants around nice. bars and it's like got a really great sort of nightlife slash community in that regard. Mm. So just getting back to you and sort of paving the way for how you got to where you are now. So you were saying that you always knew you wanted to be a chef. When did that, when, can you remember when that started or was it? Uh, Yeah, like I just like, I guess my earliest food memories are sort of shucking peas outside with my mother or you know, uh, fetching strawberries or blackberries to make jam and preserving it, you know, so I have a lot of good time memories like that. And then also just a lot of baking with my mother and my grandmother. And that just kind of, you know, it was, um, especially if you're a kid, you enjoy things that you can reap the benefits of. And, you know, at the end of a cookie or a cake or something like that, you know, you're always pretty happy. Mm, absolutely. I think that kind of deep rooted the, uh, original passion. Yeah. Yeah. And then I deviated heavily from cookies and cake. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you, so you did an apprenticeship in New Zealand? Yeah, that's right, in Henderson. Um, okay. At a restaurant that's gone now that was called Michael's Restaurant. Mm. So I went to him when I was 11 to try and get an apprenticeship. And uh, he told me to come back when I was old enough to work because obviously you can't do that. Are you for real? 11? So what, that's, that's pretty brave. What especially was, 14, especially yeah. if you're 14, that's right. So were you, um, this is after school or what? Yeah, weekends predominantly, Friday, Saturday nights. Yeah, wow. So you're giving up your, your free time as a teenager to wash dishes, which is pretty dedicated. What was it about the, the kitchen that made you think, yep, I'm right, this is absolutely what I want to do? I've always had a keen sense of urgency. It's like one of the things I actually like about the kitchen. So... Um, I wanted to get qualified and be a chef before my mates finished school kind of scenario, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 That was basically the, the main reason. <laughs> and I knew I wanted to do it, so I was like, well, why fuck around? Might as well just do it now, you know? Yeah. So what, um, what sort of time frame are we, ta- what sort of era are we talking? 1995, I would have started washing dishes, and then 1997 is when I would have started working full time as a chef because i think food's changed a lot in new zealand over the last 
20 to 30 years. Um, I was in France in 1993-94 and I just remember thinking, oh, we don't have any of this stuff at home. And, um, yeah, yeah, it would have been well different, yeah. But, so you've obviously really noticed a big change in the industry, but what sorts of thing, things were you cooking in the 90s when you were learning? It was very like uh, meat and potatoes, like, geez, well, I remember like there's a couple of dishes that really still stick out to me and like I think about I'd love to eat is uh, Gary, the guy who owned the place, made a really, really, really mean uh, pate that was filled um, with animal fat, you know, sort of the traditional way. Mm. Um, and that was just, you know, insanely delicious. So I remember that. And, to, you know, when you're a kid, you haven't seen any of these techniques so it kind of blows your mind you know yeah um, and he had a pasta on the menu there as well which was was really good but um yeah it was just like you know service comes at you fast yes <laughs> you're, you're trying to learn it was just everything you know what i mean it's a lot i liked ice cream too so that was good I <laughs> <ate> some ice cream. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um, so from there, like, what was the progression? You, you were in some pretty fancy places in New Zealand before you went overseas. Mm. We... Um, so a family member passed away and I moved down to Wellington. Okay. Um, and I worked around a couple of places down there, uh, had a little venture going and realised that I didn't really know enough mm. uh, because I had, I had a goal at that time. Like I said, the whole, the whole speed seemed to be a big element to my planning where I wanted to have a restaurant by the time I was 21. I actually wanted to have the restaurant that I was doing the thing at that I moved to Wellington. Um, and then basically, you know, you can imagine that a blind ambition would have been the one that, that went with that and then I just learned, oh well, I, I know so little. Mm. Um, so I moved back to Auckland to work at some of the better restaurants. There was a restaurant there called Red that was really good. Um, I got my foot in the door there. Uh, and then while I was working there, I met Michael Meredith because he was next door at Binney's. This mm. must be like 2000, 2001. Mm. <clears throat> and um, when he left to open the Grove, I went with him to do that. Wow. And, um, and, and so you obviously worked well together. Was that, um, how did that work so well? Because I guess it can be competitive in cooking, but what oh, i mean I, was, I went there to work for him so it yeah. wasn't really a competition thing no. it was just i had an open mind and i wanted to learn you know yeah yeah um, and i just had the mentality at the time he was you know he was in every magazine every month so um let's go work for this guy and you know learn as much as we can yeah and so then um where, where did you go from there? Did you go to New York after that, or was there a, something smaller? Yeah, that's right. So I met my wife working there, yeah, um, and then went back to America with her. I spent um, the first year working in Connecticut, oh, wow. which was pretty good because I was uh, very culture shock and I didn't understand like real seasonal differentials. Like you know, Auckland's just rainy or it's hot, mm. um, you know, and then you're in the northeast and one minute it's well, you know, part of the year it's negative. 12 degrees Celsius and, and the next it's 38 with full humidity, you know, so um, yeah, just, just learning about the seasons and, you know, a whole new country, so just learning about that and then one day my wife and I went to a place called Perry Street that Jean George had just opened mm. uh, and we had brunch there and I just said, hey, next month we've got we've got to do it, we've got to move to the city, you know, otherwise what are we up to, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, then we did and I got a job at a place called Public Mm -hmm. uh, which 
got a Michelin star about a year into being there. Wow. Um, what was your role? What was your role then when it got the I Michelin star? I started as a line cook and ended up being a sous chef pretty quick and then head chef about a year after that. Mm. Um, and then they had, they had a couple of other restaurants as well and I went and helped open Saxon for all. Uh, spent some time at a one called Double Crown. Um, but it was great because, you know, you, you you know, like like you say, when you went to France and you saw what was going on, you're probably pretty amazed, especially if you're passionate about food. So mm. being there and just seeing all these foreign ingredients that I've never heard of, and, you know, like every day is kind of, it was good because it just basically reignited that whole learning thing and every day is new and it was great. Yeah. And it was very busy. <laughs> like, yeah, and was the dining public different? It would have been quite different to New Zealand as well. Were they... Yeah, I mean, people, you don't shut the kitchen at 9 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, yes. closing at like 11 o'clock. And, um, yeah, we were just doing big numbers, you know. Mm. Um, I don't, you know, like, there wouldn't have been many restaurants when I left that were doing big numbers like that. Mm. And so so when does the idea to have your, your own place, well, your own place, or you worked in with someone for the musket room, when did that happen? Yeah, so I started And uh, put in all this effort, like I was. <laughs> I want the I want the credit for it, you know, because I I honestly felt like I was doing a lot of work and it was all just being unnoticed. Mm. Um, so the classic chip on your shoulder one, and um, just got to work on doing that, uh, and worked on it for like two years um, to completion, where we had it was all done, um, and then I went to look and find investors, and lucky me, I found one. Wow. And so that's pretty ballsy because the concept is to take New Zealand uh, um, to New York. Is that right? Yeah, it was, it was terrifying, yeah. yeah. Um, because at that time, too, everyone was just opening Italian restaurants. It was like the cool thing of the time. Um, well, they never go out of style, but yeah. um, specifically at that time, a lot of like really good chefs like Teresi was popping off and then um, just trying to think of what else might have opened around at the time. But I can't quite recall Bettany had just opened like there's a lot of stuff going on and all these people were either had their own big names or they had worked for like really big name chefs and you know kind of the expectations were there and I feel like I was lucky enough to kind of just fly under the radar um and I went with the New Zealand theme because I'm from New Zealand and I thought it would be a point of difference mm. and it was um, mm. and then um yeah well luckily uh, I was wrong and uh, my worries were quickly Turned to joy when everything went screamingly well. Amazing. So, how do you get like how how do you get people through the door? I mean, how were you enticing people away from the Italian restaurants with people wouldn't know much about New Zealand food? So, cool community, like cool area. No leaders, a lot of foot traffic. So, you know, people would just stumble across it. That that was um, important. We did have a small amount of PR, but like we were when we opened, we were really slow. Like I remember the first couple of weeks, there was a couple of Sundays where I'd just be standing there going like, uh, maybe I was, with you. <laughs> you know, like maybe I am right, and nobody wants this. Oh no! And it was a little bit terrifying. But um, like really early on, we got approached via PR for Michelin because they wanted interior shots, and we'd only been open for like three or four weeks. Um, so at least I knew that. We were kind of on their radar. Nice. You know, that was a good push. 
Um, and we did get like I think the Daily News reviewed us, and we got five out of five. And that I remember refreshing that a couple times, thinking it was an error. <laughs> that was right. Um, and then like you know three months in four months in we got the Michelin star and that's when everything just really picked up because if you think of the international travel into that city particularly from Europe it's very helpful you know that is wild after three or four months getting a Michelin star that's um it's very impressive what was what was on that first menu uh, the format was much different um I had some cool things like I had a, a foie bonbon Venison with flavours of gin, which stayed around for a long time, ended up being like a sort of a hallmark dish and a quail dish as well with red sauce and changed seasonally, but like cherries and berries and things like this. That was one of my favourite dishes that I've ever cooked. Um, and yeah, just yeah, just a lot of stuff. And we because we had the a la carte menu and then we also had two tasting menus. Mm. My goal was to I wanted to always have enough because I want everyone to eat there. I like to cook in that tasting menu format, so I was trying to create a situation where I felt comfortable cooking like that because, you know, it's pretty um, pretty hard to come out of nowhere and just expect people to just show up and have what you've cooked, you know what I mean? Mm. And, and I kind of wrestle with that also because it's not super hospitable. Well, it, well, it is really good, right? And, and I do love it. It's just it kind of takes out that hospitality thing where... Um, it's more about the food than the company you uh, you know what I mean? Yes. So just as I've gotten a bit older, it's... That's interesting, yeah. That's, I do yeah. love it, though. I love it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I just like abdicating all responsibility for choosing things. To, I, like, I like giving that to the chef. <laughs> just tell me what yeah. to eat. <laughs> yeah, well, it's also cool because you can really create the flow, like the ups and downs, mm. the peaks flavor and then you know things interluding into other things and it's like a real experience mm. so while it's less hospitable there it's so much effort goes into it and uh you know you never finish kind of refining it and i do like that element a lot mm. i just finished reading um david chang's memoir about uh eat a peach about starting up momofuku and he talks about how chefs have to be like lobsters and that you're constantly shedding your skin, being vulnerable and then toughening up again. Um, do you think that That's is... Yeah, um, because it sounds to me like you're that similar, you know, that's your ideal is to keep learning and changing up and having new challenges. It's, um, yeah, it's an interesting idea. Because well, ultimately you're there to make people happy, you know what I mean? So if you're happiest when people aren't happy it's not going to work out good no <laughs> so you have to be you have to be receptive like you know sometimes people may make comments about food that may be entirely wrong and you're entitled to that opinion but you know a lot of the times you've got to take the feedback on board and you know just give people what they want because ultimately without people wanting things you you're not there cooking you know yeah yeah absolutely and so am i right in saying that cameron douglas was with you there as well at Musket Room. Was, was, is that what I'm reading? That um, the sommelier you've got at the lodge, was he also in New York? Um, he was based in uh, New Zealand, but he was writing the wine list for us. Oh, I see, uh, I see. Yep. Yeah, I had approached him 
um, because of his stature and I knew about him at Auckland. He was working at Finney's with Michael Merritt. So okay. Met, met him from there. Wow, um, that goes way back. Then, yeah, when Lodge Bar was coming together, it was kind of a no-brainer to just pick someone of that calibre, which, you know, ultimately was someone else's call, but I suggested it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So how long, how long were you over... At, so, so what's happened to Musket Room now? Um, what do I want to divulge? I'm not oh, there anymore. No, okay. So th that's... Well, that's an answer. Um, <laughs> and how did you get involved with um, the Lodge Bar group and yeah, Rod and Gun? So before, because like I was saying, I spent so much time planning on opening the musket room. The musket room um, late in the game, I kind of like I grew up wearing Rod and Gun clothing, mm. and uh, from the I go to the Galleria down there in uh, in Auckland, and um, I had emailed maybe info or something to say, hey. My name's Madam from New Zealand. I'm opening a restaurant called The Musket Room, and it'd be really great if you could do the uniforms. I think there's some synergy there with Rod and Gun at the place being called The Musket Room. Also, like I'm trying to champion New Zealand, and you know, Rod and Gun champion New Zealand. So it was, you know, really good synergy from my thought process pre-opening, and then I was just lucky enough that. Uh, Mike and the team agreed. <laughs> That's brilliant. Wow, okay. So, yeah, so you really, all of this goes way back. And I do love that whole idea of synergy, that, you know, that you, everything's a bit sort of woven in together. That's great. <laughs> That's a good line, isn't it? Because woven in clothes. Like oh, it is. We're, we're on fire. We're on fire, Matt. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'd gone down to New Zealand one time for holiday and I was in Queenstown and uh, Mike flew down and he had the store where the Queenstown Lodge Bar is and mm. he's saying, hey, so I'm thinking I might do a bar here. What do you think? And I was like, I think it's an amazing spot. And then, um, you know, he made it happen and I was happy to be a part of it. So I was consulting from the States and then um, COVID and a couple of other things and I felt like it would be a really great opportunity to move my family because my boys are 10 and 5 um, mm. so they can grow up in New Zealand and have that kind of experience um, and just you know grow with the brand and see it and see you know what becomes of this journey because like I mean just the, the level up each time is very impressive and I enjoy the challenge mm. it just circles back to that sort of you know keeping enthused and yeah. all the rest of it also very lucky here where my sous chef from the musket room for six years james is the head chef oh um, i see he, it... yeah he was in sydney and he moved up here to help so you know there's no one in the world that i trust more than jimbo so i'm pretty pretty happy <laughs> that we have an incredible team obviously everyone else on the team is talented as well but i have someone that i really really trust here all the time and yeah it's, yep. it's super great and do you know what, speaking of synergy and everything, it just really feels like everything's fallen into place, but I know that um, you've got to actually be really good and work really hard for things to fall into place and make those, and have good relationships and be a nice person and a good person to work with and for, so it does, it's, not all, it's not all luck. But I also have this um, idea that, you know, that there was that story like water for chocolate where the, every time the woman made food, her emotions went into the food and the people that ate them got that. And I feel like what you're creating or what you're talking about, it sounds like it would be a really great people, great, great for um, for the diner because it seems like a lot of happiness going on <laughs> around yeah. you. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of... Um, uh, there is some 
some stress that goes into it. It's not all um, kisses and stars, but ultimately our whole goal is to just go home knowing we did the best we can. You know what I mean? And that's basically what it's all about. You know what I mean? You don't want to go home and be like, ah, oh, I thought we could have done that better or this needs to change. Or, mm. Although it is good because you learn from it and make things better. But mm. um, we really do have an environment where there's people on board that can make those things happen yeah. you know, together. And, yeah. you know, that's the other thing is this is way more broader than just me in a basement, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, gets old after a little while. So it's just really cool to be part of such a large, talented team, like, you know, from not just chefs or pastry chefs or, you know, Cam to, like, you know, the managers and the new servers and some really great kids in the kitchen, you know, happy to be part of their career and see what they do. So mm. that's really important to me now being yeah. a little bit older and then also like because it's so large we get to work with nick who designs everything and does a fucking amazing job and then you know our marketing team is insane so i get to work with our in-house photographer who's become a really great friend and has produced some of the best pictures um of my food i've ever seen and i've been lucky to work with some of the best photographers in the world in that regard you know so mm. yeah it's really awesome to be a cog in this machine so to speak you know Brilliant. And so what can what will people eat when they go to James Street? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, have, um, we have a pretty extensive menu. So we have an a la carte menu that has appetisers um, and mains and sides. But we also have a shells menu that's kind of all-encompassing of um, crustaceans and obviously oysters and a couple of eggs because I thought that would be funny. <laughs> a little bit of humour in there, you know, lighten the mood. Um, <laughs> nice. And then we also have a bar menu, so if you're just chilling upstairs and you're meeting some mates on your way through, then we've got some cool snacks there. And a couple of them have been with me, you know, like uh, mince and cheese uh, croquette is on the menu, and that's in every venue, and I love it because I couldn't get any pies in New York, so <laughs> I, I made a croquette and put smoked cheese with it and had it on the menu as a servo croquette. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we, we had to explain that but that's that's part of the humorous stuff but then also like you know we're learning well i'm learning all of these amazing products from here mm. um and that's you know that will take time but there's already some things that shine like you know obviously the prawns are fucking incredible and i didn't realize that i'd only had average prawns until i got here mm. um, the coral trout's outstanding uh, the barcode's outstanding. Um, most of the, you know, I'd say all of the varieties of oysters I've tried have been really great. Um, and it is great that there is a wide variety. Uh, it's not so ideal that there were recently floods, but, mm. uh, you know, more so for the purveyor than myself. Uh, and then, like, what else? I mean, cuttlefish here is really great. We're getting, like, fresh squid that's just come out of the ocean that's incredible um the beef here is outstanding um yeah so just just a celebration of uh, good stuff it sounds like it you sound excited talking about it i love that i love it hearing people talk about food there will be caveat oh brilliant um so now you're executive chef and you're overseeing places where are you based uh in auckland right but you have to oversee. So there's one in Melbourne as well. That's a, a smaller bar. Yeah, that's right. That's a that's a smaller. It's more of a bar focused that one. In Chadston. Chadwick, but yeah. the same amount of love goes into literally everything we do. So it has more of a focus at that place on like uh, cheese and then also cheese toasties because I've 
we had to think of a smart way to utilize the space and deliver something to the standard that we like and then this is the other part is like we're here to make people happy so mm. you can eat a grilled cheese and be as happy as you could be if you had a caviar tart you know what i mean it yeah. done well, so, so that's pretty special but yeah. um you know it was limiting in the COVID times in new zealand not being able to get out but you know i'm able to get across queenstown a lot yeah and then you know i'm at auckland a lot and then i've been over here for three weeks um then i'll be here for probably another to make sure that everything's sweet and then i'll just you know come back very frequently <laughs> mm. is it easy i feel like you'd have to give up some control um obviously you trust james so that's um yeah. amazing well, that, that yeah. does make it easier but it's not easy no no yeah it's a different it's a different step isn't it i always often think it's a big step up from sous chef to head chef with the you know you'd suddenly have to be a lot more into food costs and um and talking to media and all that stuff but then ex executive chef's a whole other ball game <laughs> yeah yep. um but you know this that's the progression isn't it so yeah. uh, i don't want <clears throat> to stunt my growth but i no. do you know I, I do get across everything and you know spend most services in the kitchen wherever i am because that's what i like to do you know yeah and just to finish, Matt, what would be your advice for young people thinking of becoming chefs? What would you tell them? Uh, it's always a good question, isn't it? <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, take your time. Like, don't rush. Mm. <laughs> it sounds weird after I just said, like, the sense of urgency <laughs> is a good big thing. But, like, you know, just really, you know, make decisions based on where you want to get to. So, you know, it's, it's hard when you're young to decipher where you want to end up within cuisine because it's a pretty massive book, you know. Mm. Um, but, you know, sometimes you find it by accident, via travel or whatever, but just, you know, figure out what you think you want to do and then just take the steps methodically to get there. Go work for good chefs in great environments, you know what I mean, where you can use good equipment and a respectful area, you know what I mean? And mm. um, just, yeah, take your time and, and do it right because if you don't have time to do it once, when do you have time to do it again? Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. Thank you. And the other one that I don't like that gets thrown around is like, you know, people will say things like uh, um, perfection is unattainable, so we must try or some, you know, there's a lot of things like that. Um, but I think don't pay attention to that stuff because you'll drive yourself crazy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Look, thanks so much for your time because I know um, it's uh, there's a lot going on over there or up there, wherever I am in relation to you. But um, um, all the best, and it's been so lovely to hear your story. Thank you. Thank you, and uh, looking forward to cooking with you. Oh, I love that. Wherever yeah. that is. <laughs> yeah. You let me know, I'll be there. <laughs> thanks, Matt. All right. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with a Chef with Matt Lambert. If you want to experience all the greatness for yourself, which of course you do, you can check out The Lodge Bar and Dining on Instagram at The Lodge Bar ANZ and see all the beautiful food and ambiance and a great photo of Matt with some crayfish buddies. As for me, I'm also on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef and if you want to read the chat, you can head to www.conversationwithachef.com. I'd absolutely love it if you told a friend about my chats 
And of course, you can follow me on Apple and Spotify podcasts. Once again, thanks for listening and have a great day.